Hi, everybody. This is Patty Negri. Welcome to the witching hour. Yep, that hour of the day when the veil is thin and magic happens. And this witching hour is whenever you happen to be tuning into this podcast. And the magic here is in my beautiful guests. I have a great guest for you today, a hedge witch. What's a hedge witch, you say? Well, you'll find out once we do the podcast. I have Joanna Vanderhoven. The, her new book is The Path of the Hedge Witch. It's not even out yet. Be the first to hear about it. But before I bring you Joanna, where's Patty? Yep, yep. Because as you know, and I say it every week, if I don't look in my calendar, I don't know. And I look in my calendar so I can tell you. I am home right in this moment. If you are listening to this, the week we first drop, which is October, Monday, October 3rd. Yes, it is the season. It is Halloween. It is Samhain. It is my favorite month of the year. Um, and so it, if it is that first week in October, you are listening to it. I just got back from Orange County Paracon. Actually, my closest travels of this busy travel season for me. It was the first ever. I am sure it was fabulous since I'm taping in a couple days before. Um, uh, put on my, by friend, my friend Henry, uh, Paranormal Perception. You might recognize him from my show. And I'm sure it was great. Right in the middle of Anaheim, right in the middle of Mouseland and we talk to ghosts. And this next weekend, I'm going to be a little further out in Arizona, Vulture City Paracon. Where's Vulture City, you say? It's in Wickenburg. Where's Wickenburg, you say? Far away in the middle of nowhere, but it's haunted and fabulous, and it's a great old mining town. And a lot of the great paranormal people from even back east are coming out, like Johnny Zaffis, and all sorts of fun people. I'm going to be doing my seances and my galleries and have my books and speak and do workshops. And for the very first time ever, I'm going to try table tipping. Yep. Never done it before. I'm going to talk to my friend Tim Shaw, who you might also recognize from the show, um, about how to table tip. But I figure I get them to play drums. I get the spirits to knock. Why not table tip a little But if you want to join me and we could find out for the first time together, check out VultureCityParacon.com. My beautiful friends, Jay and Marie Yates, which you also might recognize from my show, um, are producing this. And it's really, really a beautiful, fun event. So check it out. That's next weekend. For here, for this week, I am here. Tuesday, I am teaching my class, my online Zoom class. It's October spooky season. So I'm teaching this class on sex magic, sex magic and spectrophilia. Yeah. So put the kids to bed. Um, but sex magic as in ritual work, and it's not always as fun as it sounds. And yes, spectrophilia, human ghost interactions. It's been around forever. It usually gets the very bad rap, like the incubus and succubus, but that's really not what it is or the, all that it is. So Tuesday, if you're interested in either or both of those subjects, check out universitymagicus.com or any of my social media or my website. It will be there. Um, I'm home the one weekend after that. I'm actually book solid. And then October 21 through 23, if you're anywhere near upstate New York area, I'm going to be at the very first ever Dark Water Paracon by my friend Frankie Frank. So I'm going to be doing there in Plattsburgh. I don't even know where I'm going to be, but then again, I never do. But check that out, Dark Water Paracon, if you're in that area or want to be. And then I'm off to New Orleans for my funnest week at the Vampire Ball 
well, we're going to do all sorts of magic um, for like three or four days in a row, all at House of Blues. So you could check out Endless Night Vampire Ball or my sites. So put on your fangs and join me in New Orleans. And that's October. Um, that's Where's Patty. Okay, there's the yawn. Guess what time it is? It is time for the Willow Report. And yes, we have a guest appearance today by Gracie. We didn't show up the last week or so, so I wanted you to see how big little beautiful Grace has gotten. She's still about the tiniest cat I've ever seen and the wildest cat I've ever seen. And her and Willow are more connected and closer and inseparable than ever. Adzabulyan day. It's going to be a good day all around. And kisses. But the Willow Report today is about, maybe it's because she's in her teen years. She's so loud. I know dachshunds are barky and supposed to be barky. And you're supposed to know that when you get them. And you do. And we do. And she's always been a little barky. But now she's so opinionated. I've never seen anybody or anything quite so opinionated. She could hear her best friend about a block and a half away when she's downstairs in a whole nother room. Bark, 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 bark. And her bark is getting louder and louder and for some reason higher and higher pitched. So, Willow, you want to tell everybody all this loudness that you do? <laughs> and Grace is trying to take stage and she's walking all over the computer. Oh boy. Oh, wait, wait. <laughs> all right. So um, if you guys have any suggestions of how to like quiet the voice, either softer voice or just not quite so opinionated about every darn person who walks by, dog, human, bird, ghost, spirit, let me know, will you? Email me, put it on Facebook, put it on my YouTube. How to make a dachshund just Shut up a little, huh? In love. I mean, people have suggested things like bark collars and stuff, but I'm not sure I want to, like, shock her or blow water in her face because she's a princess, you know? Anyway, there's the cat's eating my computer right over here to the side. She's eating my candles. She's eating my candles. That's the Willow Report. See you next week. Okay, so this week's magic or spell working, we're going to talk about moon magic. One of my absolute favorite, favorite subjects, one of my absolute favorite kinds of magical practice, whatever that is, whether you're doing a great big spell working by the moon or just waking up in the morning and going, where's my moon today? Um, we are run by the moon. We always have been. And we kind of forget it sometimes. Um, but our body is almost 60% water. Our planet is almost 70% water. So it is the tides of the moon. Everybody knows, oh, the crazy full moon. Ask anybody who works in a hospital. Ask anybody who works in a police station. It's like, ah, full moon gets crazy. But if we tap into that energy, into those tides of our body, we can make our life so much smoother and easier and more productive. So, and this is the same for spell working. So if you're kind of doing spell working, so let's start out with a full moon, shall we? The next full moon will be October 9th, 
October 9th. So it's very soon. If you haven't watched this already, if you're watching it in a timely manner, October 9th is a full moon. Now, every full moon, I highly advise you to get outside. If you can't get outside, get inside and look up or imagine up. And if you really can't see the moon, light a candle and let it reflect off a bowl of water. That creates moonlight, moon energy. But whether you could see it or not, every full moon, get outside or get inside. Be in gratitude. Give thanks. Whoever you're giving thanks to, God, your gods, your deity, your higher self, the moon itself, thank you for everything I have because we know gratitude is truly the answer to everything, everything. So thank you, thank you, thank you for whatever I have. But then also remember to ask. We are supposed to ask every belief system, whether you believe it's pray for this or manifest or affirmations or vision boards for this or spell working for this, we have to ask. So it might be, thank you, thank you, dear moon, for my beautiful one bedroom apartment. I love it. I really like a two bedroom apartment. I would love a two bedroom apartment. So make the ask, it's okay. So ask for what you want every full moon. Don't get crazy, there's literally a two day option. You might be a day early or a day late, but that full moon magic is the time to show your gratitude, show your thanks and ask for what you want, whether you call it a spell working or just drawing down the moon. Now, the next two weeks while the moon is waning, and that means getting smaller, you can see it out the window, it's written on every calendar, it's on your cell phone, moon. When the moon is waning, that's when you let go of what's not serving you. That's the perfect time to start a diet, quit smoking, I'm not going to worry so much, I'm not going to overthink so much, I'm not going to eat so many carbs, whatever it is to you. When during the waning moon, all that stuff is going to be 10 times easier just because you've tapped into your tides. So that's, you know, about two weeks. Then you get down to the new moon, the dark moon. That's the time to go inside. You know, whether it's 30 seconds in the morning, go a new moon. What do, what do I want now? Not necessarily what did I last want last month or what does the world want for me? What do I want now? Take a little, take stock. And then, the next two weeks, while the moon is waxing or getting bigger, add into your life. That's the time to ask for a raise, do some love magic, some money magic, some abundance magic, some creativity magic for the next two weeks until the full moon. Now you could do an entire month cycle on one specific thing, like say it's health and fitness. The two weeks of the waning, I'm going to eat less junk food. The two weeks that is adding, I'm going to do more exercise or anything like that. Or you could, every day could be a different thing. Every single day of the waning moon, release something else. Every single day of the waxing moon, do something else. You will literally notice within weeks, not even a full moon cycle, that the good stuff in your life is getting better. And the, well, not bad stuff, but stuff you no longer need is falling away with the grace and the ease of the moon, our beautiful moon. I like to do it first thing in the morning. When you wake up, maybe you could do my dream school technique or your own technique. And if you don't know what that is, maybe I'll talk about it next week. But wake up in the morning and go, moon is waxing. I'm gonna add into my life today, that's it. And as the day, your consciousness goes, I'm adding today, I'm adding more laughter, more fun, more lunch with my girlfriends, whatever that is. Or maybe moon's waiting, I'm gonna release some stuff today. I'm gonna release the stress in my back, whatever it is. Again, that full moon, the new moon, beautiful ritual to truly add productivity, 
joy, ease, smoothness to your every single day. Magic is everywhere. You just got to look up sometimes. This week, we have magic from all the way across the pond. Yes, indeed we do. Uh, let me introduce you to Joanna Vanderhoeven. She has been working in pagan traditions for nearly 30 years. She's an author, teacher, dancer, blogger, photographer, and videographer. Her love of nature and the land where she lives provides her with constant inspiration. And she has a brand new book just out in the U.S., almost out in the U.K., called the Path of the Hedge Witch. I just got it. It is beautiful. I can't wait to hear about it. So welcome, Joanna. Thank you. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. So tell me about this path. So a lot of my people are newer or not. So what exactly is a hedge witch? Well, I like to think of um, a hedge witch as consisting of three main things. So the first thing would be... Um, a desire and a capability to work on your own. Most hedge witches are kind of solitary practitioners. So you have to have that drive and that desire and that capability to work by yourself. Um, the second thing that I would say is um, a deep uh, need to work with the land that you live on, so with your local environment, and to become a part of that ecosystem, like a a contributing member of that ecosystem, not just a, a passive tourist. And then the third thing that I would say is um, a desire to walk between the worlds. So um, to want to enter kind of trance practices, ecstatic practices. Um, and it doesn't need to be an inherent inborn talent within you. It's something that you can learn. But as hedge witches, we straddle both worlds at the same time. So we we work and live in this world and we work and live in the other world as well. So it's it's having the capability, the desire or, you know, the willingness to learn how to do that in your life. So for me, that's what makes a hedge witch. That is beautiful. I know you even start out your book with what is witchcraft. So I would love to know your opinion of it be beyond the hedge witch, working the hedge, working that place between. What is a witchcraft to you? So for me, witchcraft is um, working with the natural energies of the world, um, both this world and the other world. So um, I would say most witches, if not all witches, uh, in some form or other, do work with the other world. So um the witch is the one who is able to go beyond the normal beyond the mundane and to straddle kind of a different reality you know in working with magic in working with rituals um in working with divination that sort of thing so witchcraft for me is the ability to do that and then hedge witchcraft is like a subset of that where you have the specifics of the practice of riding the hedge. So witchcraft is like the overall ability to work with these other realms. The hedge witchcraft is the specifics of that particular tradition. Beautiful. Now say, if you're going, I'm attracted to this idea, I am a connect 
connection with the land. I like working solitary. You know, it is more a traditional path than a mega like modern Wiccan path. But say I live in New York City or say I live in Los Angeles, though we do have nice parks. Can someone still claim to be a head witch and living on the 17th floor? Yeah, it's a very good question. And I would most definitely say yes. So I'm lucky because I live in a rural part of England on the coast of the North Sea, on the edge of a village, you know, traditional witch stuff. I also live in an 80s modern brick house. <laughs> and, you know, I've got my internet and, you know, I've got all sorts of mod cons. But, you know, of course you can you can live in the city. I've lived in cities um, for a while before I got the opportunity to move to the country. And so you have to kind of adapt the practice in certain ways in order to function as a hedge witch within the city. There, there are some challenges that um, you have to meet, but it's easily done as long as you're willing to rise to that challenge. So the first thing that I, I would say to anybody that lives in the city that wants to be a hedge witch is get some plants, grow some plants in your home, because if, if you can't be out in nature, bring nature in. And that way you will establish a connection. I mean, we've, we've always got a, a connection to nature no matter where we are, because through the air that we breathe, we're breathing in all the same air, you know, whether it's out in the country, whether we're out in the city, we are connecting to the element of air. We are connecting to the element of fire, you know, through the sun, through the element of water, through rain, through the earth beneath our feet. It doesn't matter if we're in the heart of a downtown or whether we're in the heart of the countryside, we can connect to all these elements which are so important in witchcraft. So absolutely, you can do it in a city, but bring nature to you if you can't go out and, and be in it as you would like to be in it, as much as you would like to be in it. I love that. So all you people, go be a hedge witch, if so led. Um, <laughs> yeah, and yes, there is slight barking in the back, and that is my not-so-hedgy dog. <laughs> so I apologize for that. Maybe she'll be quiet. Um, I do talk about, again, connecting with nature. Some of your chapters here, you talk about the lunar path and the solar path. So what is the lunar path? So the lunar path is, it's the same as in most witchcraft, witchcraft traditions, where you are following the cycles of the moon. And it's understanding how the sun and the moon work together from our vantage point here on Earth. Um, and I think that's important because when you when you ask a lot of people on the street, how do the cycles of the moon work, you know, astro astronomically, you know, they're not entirely sure. They think the moon phases are caused by the Earth Earth's shadow being cast upon the moon. It's like, no, that's not how it works. That's an eclipse. So understanding the science of the lunar path helps you to live the lunar path and bring it into your life. So to follow the cycles, you have to kind of understand how it all works in relation to each other. Um, and for me, that that connection is an important part of my, my practice as a whole, is deep connection. So you have to understand how things work. You have to have a desire to want to go into it, a curiosity that makes you want to explore it from all angles, from a magical angle, from a scientific angle, to see how it all works and how it all fits. So the lunar path would help you to understand 
not only the external lunar cycles that you can see around you, like the, how the full moon and the new and the, and the dark moon affects the tides, um, or how eclipses happen or things like that, but also how that affects you internally as well, because there have been lots and lots of studies done on how the moon affects us internally, you know, it affects our, our psyches. So understanding the lunar path helps you to get more in tune, not only with the outside world of nature, but also your own inner nature and the, the same for the solar path as well. So when we look at the solar path, we're looking at the seasons and how the sun moves us through the seasons with its strength, with where it is in the sky, and again, in relation to the lunar path, because you can't have one without the other. The moon is the reflection of the sun. Without the sun, we wouldn't have the moon. So understanding how those two work can help us in our own path to enjoy not just the the cycles of the moon or the cycles of the season, but the cycles of our own soul. So you did mention hedge riding and being a hedge witch. So kind of explain to people, I know it is going into trance state and stuff, a little bit about what hedge riding is, what it does, how you get there, you know, in the simplest of terms. <laughs> yeah. So um, hedge riding comes from the German word Hakasisa, which means hedge rider. Um, and it's interesting because that's also where we get the word hag as in, you know, the old hag, the witch, the crone. Um, so hedge riding is being able to cross that boundary and the hedge is that boundary. And it cro when, we, when we ride the hedge, we're crossing the boundary from our world into the other world. So um, for example, the, the author Ray Beth, who was the one who actually termed, uh, who, who actually coined the term hedge witch, um, she defined um, hedge riding as balancing what is beyond the hedge with what is within the hedge. And I think that's a very important thing to, to consider, is to, to bring it all together and to harmonize it together. So hedge witches will ride the hedge to go to the other world, to gain information, to access information from familiars, from spirits, from the fair folk, um, and then use that information, take it back with them into this world um, so that they can use it to help themselves, to help their community. And it, this has been going on for a long time. You know, it's that's what the, the witch is. It's the one who goes out to find the knowledge and then to bring it back for whatever reasons um, to help others as well as helping themselves. So um, with, with hedge riding, um, we often see the image of the witch straddling her broom, right? We all know that image. It's, it's ingrained in our mind, witches ride brooms. And that is actually hedge riding right there. So the broom is um, a symbol of the world tree the axis mundi, the, the, the portal, the gateway to the other world. It's the door that we can open to get to the other world. So, you know, we've all heard about witches riding brooms to the Sabbath. Well, that, that's an analogy of witches going to the other world to gain information, inspiration, and then take it back. So the broom acts like 
the world tree. We can use it to go to the other worlds, to the other realms. And it's not just the broom. We've got the broom, we've got the, the staff, we've got the wand. All of these symbolize the world tree. And the hedge is just a part of that world tree. So the hedge is what delineates one thing from another. It's, it's that, and it's at those margins where the magic happens. So if we look at it from an ecological point of view, um, those fringe places, which are neither one nor the other, are the places that have the most magic as well as the most diversity if, we, if we're looking at it from a scientific point of view. So like where the forest meets a meadow, that's where you'll, you'll find the most diversity, the most plants, the most animals, the most activity is at those fringes, you know, where, where the sea meets the land. Again, there's a lot of stuff happening right there. And so when we're able to cross over and enjoy those liminal places, those in-between places, that's what it's all about. That's, that's what hedge riding is all about. And then we can use that to our own advantage. That's beautiful. So in your book, you even give techniques and ways to go there and to get there and to do that. Now, you did you did mention the fair folk. So yep. uh, um, talk to us a little bit about the fair folk. Who are the fair folk? What do they do? So the fair folk are probably more commonly known as fairies. And um, here in Britain, we've got, you know, a very well-established tradition, uh, well, many different traditions, actually, of fair folk. And North America has its own as well. You know, if you talk to indigenous peoples, um, if you talk to Native Americans or First Nations people in Canada, they have their own versions um, yes. and their own fair folk um, of the land. And he, at least here in Britain, witches have always been associated with the fair folk. Um, if we look at the, the witchcraft trials, you know, that happened in the 1600s, You'll find quite a few of the confessions actually dealt uh, with um, witches not worshipping the devil, but actually working with fair folk. And that's what they were confessing to. Um, and it's interesting because they, they didn't consider the fair folk to be something bad, something evil, else why on earth would you confess to that, right? <laughs> so... It's part of their folklore. It's part of their traditions. They see it as something beneficial that they can work with. Um, and so we're just continuing on in that tradition today as modern hedge witches. Um, there's been fairy doctors in Ireland, you know, up until quite recently. These, these are people who work with the fair folk, who, who gain their knowledge for spells, for potions, for... Uh, information for gossip <laughs> from the fair folk and use that, you know, to, to bring back to the community. So it's, it's also having an ally in the fairy realm, I think is very, very important, especially for the hedge witch. Um, so if you think of it in, in like modern parlance where, um, let's say Wicca, for example, has a coven if, if you're practicing a traditional form of Wicca, it has a coven that it can turn to for, for help, for, um, for, for magical power, for raising power and that sort of thing. The hedge witch as a solitary practitioner goes to the fair folk for the same thing. So those are our magical allies. Um, 
And um, yeah, that that's just how Hedge Witch works um, for a lot of people is a deep connection to the fair folk and establishing that connection. And it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of effort because, you know, they're they're not they're like us, but they're not like us at the same time. You know, there's lots of rules, there's lots of etiquette that you have to follow, probably too much to go into for this um, this show. But um, yeah, it's, it's understanding and developing a deep relationship with the fair folk among other allies and beings that you might meet in the other world. And that's a very personal thing to you. Yeah, I was recently a few months ago now in Ireland and I went to a, a, a beautiful fairy farm, this organic farm, and we got to go into a fairy fort with the right offerings, with the right. It was really one of the most magical experiences I, I ever had. I think I think period. I know the place that you're talking of. <laughs> it, I, it, they the, the fairy the fair folk flipped me around. You know, we had gone through this fairy tree and uh, talk about magical experiences. And then I was, I don't know, 50 yards away. And I looked, there was a few people in front of me. There was this beautiful white horse to my left. And there was this beautiful cow to my right. I closed my eyes. I was in gratitude. I opened my eyes and the people were gone. And now the horse was on my right and the cow was on my left. But they hadn't moved. They literally, the, the fairy had flipped me like 180 degrees without showing. And it was like, wow. Or or you had you had entered the other world and then you're seeing the mirror image on that side. Yeah, most definitely. Exactly. So yeah. it was, I just got goosebumps now and it's been months ago. So um, <laughs> you, you do talk about in the book, again, that's the simplicity, a hedge witch work. You don't have to get really complicated in your rituals and your spell crafts and things like that. You don't have to have fancy tools. No, So speak no, to that a little bit, like say how your spell crafting works or. Yeah. So, so hedge witchcraft is very simple. It's, it's very natural. It's based on um, kind of, it's more folk folkloric rather than ceremonial magic. So you use what you have to hand. Um, and I often say that, you know, us, us hedge witches and pretty much any, any folk witch, you know, our, our, if we had a motto, it would be, if it works, use it. <laughs> so hmm. if you've got, you know, herbs in your kitchen that resonate with you and that you think, you know, okay, I, I can't get this, but this will work just as well. Or it's, it's like, I don't have a fancy athame, you know, most hedge witches probably wouldn't work with athames, you know, in the first place, that's more of a, a Wiccan um, tool anyways. But our, our tools are, you know, if we've got a knife, we've, we've got a knife because it's used for cutting. Um, and if we've got um, a staff, it not only helps us to ride the hedge, but we also use it when we're out hiking in the land. You know, it, everything tends to have a dual purpose. You know, it's functional as well as spiritual and magical. So um, it's simple. It's uncomplicated. Um, the rituals aren't, you know, invoking all sorts of things that you might never have heard of before, you know, it, it's all very simple and easy to do. Um, it's very accessible, especially for the beginner as well. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's um, just because it's simple doesn't mean that it's um, inauthentic or not worthy of doing, you know, I've, I've spoken to a lot of witches, um, 
because I've been doing this for over 30 years now. And a lot of witches that I've spoken to, no matter what tradition they're in, whether they're ceremonial or whatever, they say that often as their tradition progresses, things get simpler. They simplify. The better you get at something, the less stuff you need to do it to accomplish it. Um, and I, I would say that in hedge witchcraft, we kind of promote that from the start. We, you know, <laughs> so yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Me too. Where I used to have all this stuff, now it's like just do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you so know. I agree wholeheartedly. The more you, you, decades I'm doing it too. You you may have needed that at the beginning, but as you progress, you find you need that less and less because you already have, and you find the ability is within yourself as opposed to something that's extraneous. Um, so it's it's a lot of folk magic and very simple stuff, you know. A lot of witches in the past wouldn't have had the time to do a lot of ceremonial magic as we see it today. You know, these are just folks that are trying to live off the land. Um, and, you know, by the time they're finished their working day, they're really tired. They're knackered. You know, if you've ever worked a physical job, and I've worked quite a few in my lifetime, you don't have time for a three-hour ritual at night, you know? You just want something simple, something easy that you can do, but that is still super meaningful, and that will give you the results that you need. So it's it's not for everybody. Some people love the ceremony. Some people love, you know, the, the very kind of um, formal ritual that some traditions provide, but hedge witchcraft, I would say, is a much more simplified path. That is beautiful and a beautiful path, I must say. Well, you guys, you're going to love this book. So tell everybody where they can find you, um, any social media, any websites and things, where they can get this book. Again, it's just released in the U.S., almost released in the U.K. You might be able to get the ebook. So tell us where, when, how, and how to find you. Yeah, so um, you can find me um, through my website, joannavanderhoeven.com. Um, on most social media. I'm on most social media. You can just find me if you do a search with my name uh, and Amazon as well. I have an author page, uh, Joanna Vanderhoeven. So um, I don't go under any pen names or anything. If you just type my name in, you will come up with um, all of my websites and social media and stuff like that. And you can contact me through there. Okay, well, thank you so much for bringing your beautiful hedge witch magic to the witching hour. So everybody, check her out. Joanna Vanderhoeven. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for having me.